What is going on? Welcome in. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend filled with football. Chalk to the gills of preseason with the good, the bad, and the ugly. Certainly at a week one, but it was good to have the NFL back in our lives. Good to have you guys back for the next three hours. I know we're going to put on an entertaining show for you. We have all kinds of reaction from my trip down to Atlanta where the Titans bested the Falcons in preseason action. A lot of legitimate takeaways, some good conversation, some good audio that you'll hear from Mike Vrabel, Rashad Weaver. We got all kinds of people. And Chester Rogers, who had a massive game uh, against the Falcons in the return game specifically and certainly helped solidify himself on this roster. He joins us at 1220, so stick around for that. We're going to have the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, at 1120. He was on the call, of course, when Lucas played the audio of the sack in my uh, in my ear during his update. It made me smile. Nothing makes it feel more like football season than the sack call of Mike Keith. We could hear it, Lucas, from the press box. He was building up. It I'm was months of building. He didn't get to do it that often last year. No. <laughs> That's how you're going to start this today. <laughs> well, I'm sure they were very excited to relinquish oh that first God. sack call. That is just off the top rope. Here everybody is basking in the radiance of Rashad Weaver. and Yeah, he got to do it five times on Friday. <laughs> wow. Look at you. Spicy. To start this Monday. You're right. He was like a volcano getting ready to pop its top. That first one, I swear to God, we looked around uh, in the press box. So not that many people made the road trip. It was me, Jim Wyatt, uh, Ben Arthur from the Tennessean, and uh, and Teron Davenport from ESPN. So, so we're sitting there. It's us. It's the team's PR staff. And all of a sudden, like at the very start of the game, we hear... The Mike Keith sack all while whilst Rashad Weaver is making a sack. And I'm like, I was in the Titans radio booth about an hour ago doing pregame with Jim White, which was a lot of fun. Lucas did a great job on Titans radio. I, 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 I endeavored not to embarrass myself. It's been a long time since I've had to talk in like short analysis sound bites like a professional, but apparently we didn't get kicked off the air. So that was good. So I was in that booth not an hour before kickoff. With Jim Wyatt, maybe 20 minutes ago. I know how far away that booth is from where I'm sitting. I know that there's a soundproof door between the Titans radio booth and where we're sitting. And still, in my ears, I hear Mike Keith yelling sack. And it warmed my heart. It really did. 615-737-1045 is how you get involved over the course of this morning and into this afternoon. A lot to get into. Plus, big news out of Knoxville with uh, with a, an announced top three from the nation's top overall high school recruit. Got got the Vols fans even in their feels this weekend. That was exciting for them. We'll let you hear that audio later on in the show. But I want to know what stood out to you in this preseason game. What were your takeaways? What did you like? What did you What did you come away thinking? Man, that really really needs to get. It's stuff together, whether it be a position group, an individual, something you saw from the coaching that you didn't like. What were your takeaways from this preseason game? 615-737-1045. We're going to talk about it over the course of this morning. I'm going to tell you what I feel better about and what I feel decidedly worse about, and then we'll also get into a list. There was a list put out yesterday. 
I thought we were free and clear of list season, and yet the NFL Top 100 plagues my television screen as I'm getting ready for primetime last night. It was, uh, it was an unwelcome surprise, but something that I, I found a way to justify it, which is about as dirty I've felt about sports content because I found a way to make this list legitimate. We'll tell you that later on in the show. Captain Trips on YouTube. You can interact with the show, of course, on Zone TV, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook Live, and Twitch. Captain Trips on YouTube says, I hated that we couldn't stop the blitz up the middle. Lucas, at some point, I we should have thought of this before the show, but Mike Vrabel in the postgame was not happy. He was not thrilled with the way that his former uh, defensive coordinator came after Logan Woodside. I believe he said, well, they blitzed the bleep out of him. And, I mean, that safety, there was a couple. He took a handful of sacks, Logan Woodside did. But there was a couple where he just got straight up decleated. That safety screaming up the middle. And, and honestly, it's on Woodside because he's got he's to read and recognize that faster. He did get rid of it, but not nearly quick enough before he just got absolutely, he got that dude in his face mask. It was ugly. And Vrabel was not, I, I don't think they had adequately prepared them for Dean Pease trying to come out and alpha <laughs> Logan Woodside in a preseason game. I wonder if a conversation was had afterwards. You know, I didn't see one because I was watching. Because we all noticed this too. I'm like, Logan, like the offensive line, the backup offensive line, and we'll talk about this later in more detail. But it was not, it was not good, even though I saw some positive things from Dylan Raidens. And we'll talk about that this morning as well. Uh, the, the way that they came out, like after Logan Woodside, we're all looking around in the press box like, are, are they. What are they doing? Their beef? What is it? What's happening? The, the here? pregame proceedings were all very friendly. A lot of a lot of people, oh, yeah. you know, haven't seen each other in a while. Everybody's taking pictures. <laughs> you know, so they're kissing. They're shaking hands. They're kissing babies on the sideline. And then immediately, you know, we didn't we didn't get the the disrespect on the logo like I was hoping for. But then they must immediately have walked to the opposing sidelines. And Art just looks at Dean and goes, "Let's get him." <laughs> Because <laughs> they came after poor Logan Woodside. It's a slight nod. Yeah, we were at we we had so we had a handful of places. It's the first time we've done in person post game interviews since the Kansas City AFC uh, AFC Championship game since January of 2019. This was the first time that we've had an in person post game appearance. The or, last time Dean Pease called a game as the Titans' defensive coordinator. Well, no, because allegedly, or did he? That, allegedly that was Baltimore. <laughs> Look at you. Who are you? Who who uh who hurts you? You're coming after the Mike Keith and the sack the the whoa, amount of whoa. sack now, calls that no. he had last Don't year. Don't characterize that as coming after Mike Keith and the sack call. Mike Keith is a legend. The sack call is a legend. I didn't come at anybody. I just stated a fact. You sure as hell did. You, you said he didn't it. get to use it a lot last. Yeah, that's year. not coming after anybody. That's stating a fact. He got to do it five times on Friday. He got to do it a total of nineteen times in sixteen games last year. I heard two of the five from my seat in the press box while I was shoveling self serve ice cream into my face. COVID could not take down the Atlanta. Press box Carvel machine. Thank God. Some things need to be held sacred in this life. 615-737-1045. What were your primary takeaways, the good, the bad, and the ugly, from preseason game number one? We would love to hear from you over the course of today's show. Uh, so there, there's a lot of stuff to a lot of stuff to dissect. But more importantly, I mean the story of the game, the story of the game was Rashad Weaver. The story of the game was the defense, not just because I mean, you understand that going into this preseason game, the concepts that are being run are going to be very basic, all right? But more than anything, what we were looking for, or at least what I was looking for, what we talked about pregame, 
when we did the show from Atlanta and I was uh, working off my, my, uh, my Magic City Wings hangover that I had. And I didn't bring, uh, bring back any for Blaine Bishop. I know he's going to be upset with me when he's, there's not Magic City. The Lou Williams meal waiting for him when he walks into the studio today. But the defense, it was the storyline on Friday and will continue to be the biggest theme of this season, right? There's two things that you're looking for in this game that you start with first and foremost. I know everybody wants to watch offense. I know you're waiting to see stuff from Marcus Johnson, which didn't happen in this preseason game. After all the camp hype that he's had around him, I have a great analysis of that for you later on in the show. I know the one reason why Marcus Johnson did not did not show you the kind of things that he's been showing everybody at practice over the course of the last couple of weeks. But the defense was the story, whether it be Rashad Weaver and how active he was up front. Now, Atlanta's backup offensive linemen appeared to be a, uh, pretty wretched. And... And watching chest hat A.J. McCarron try and uh, dink and dunk his way down the field was a bit of an atrocity. He cannot move back there, so he was not a terribly mobile target for them to pick off. But the point is they got there. They bothered him. They made him uncomfortable. The pass rush was what I was looking for first and foremost out of this game. And the fact that they ran a bunch of defensive starters out there, Kevin Byard, Jack Rabbit, Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown, all of these guys. I did not see Jeffrey Simmons out there. I did not see Danico Autry. And unfortunate that uh, Trayvon Coley, who was probably defensive lineman, if they ended up keeping five defensive linemen, he was probably four or five going back and forth with that spot. And Lorel Murchison, who's, you know, now has a an even greater opportunity to step up. The defense, though, their ability to get pressure, and the way that they got off the field on third down, it was it was refreshing. It's been so long since they've looked that kind of competent, and they found ways to handle it against a team that really didn't look like it had its stuff together. That's the thing that stands out about Mike Vrabel most, right? It may not look clean, totally clean with Woodside and Matt Barkley. It may not be, you know, the best version of themselves, but they played not only to execute the situations that they've been practicing and ones that they need live game reps to really experience, stuff like penalties. You'll hear from Mike Vrabel on that later on in the show. Um, The way that they were able to execute and come out and play better, top to bottom, than a team that they're clearly more talented than. That's what you're looking for in this preseason. You're looking for guys to take what you've seen them work on on the practice field and implement it in a game-like situation. That's exactly what they did, for the most part. There are also some people who took a step backwards out of this particular. It's not all sunshine and roses. Darrington Evans, I mean, my God. At what point is his health going to stop being a part of the discussion? I understand there is uh, there is luck involved in injuries in football and that it is a violent, physical, brutal game. But for as much as that, that continues to be a factor... At some point, you have to question how much he can legitimately give you or if there is an option behind him, Jeremy McNichols or Brian Hill, Makai Sargent, who had a good game, whether you have to explore other options because he's just not available. And then there's Des Fitzpatrick. I mean, my God. we were They practiced yesterday. And after Vrabel, I, I don't – he said he didn't, like, intend to send a message by calling Fitzpatrick out, and we'll have that audio for you later. 
He did. He said he didn't necessarily intend to send a message. When on Saturday, we all come back from Atlanta. We meet with the head coach at the podium. That's all that we're going to do that day. And he was asked, you know, what does Des Fitzpatrick have to do to get more snaps? Because he didn't play that entire first half. It took a while for him to get in there. Guys like Mason Kinsey getting snaps over. Cam Batson. That's not how your fourth-round pick should look, no matter how difficult the transition is from college to pro. That cannot be acceptable. And it's not being accepted right now based on the tone of the head coach when he says he just needs to show us a lot more in practice and left it at that. Now, he kind of he kind of couched it a little bit yesterday when we had some follow-ups for him on that because he did not start out practice well. Jim Wyatt, I, I tweeted out some observations that they were running. You know what? We'll save this for later because I want to expand on the Des Fitzpatrick conversation more. I want to continue to talk about this preseason game, what I liked, what I didn't like, what you should be concerned about, what you should be pleasantly surprised about. And then we'll talk about the NFL 100 because the Titans have three players on the list and people want to get into it, even as much as I despise the lists. I'm Buck Rising. This is 104.5 The Zone. McCarron under pressure again. Sack! Weaver! Oh, it warms the heart. Mike Keith, Titans Radio, on the call on Friday. Of course, this being the flagship home of Tennessee Titans, of the Tennessee Titans Radio Network. You can hear their game their preseason game, on Saturday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right here as well. We will have all manner of pregame coverage for you. Everybody killed it on Friday. So it was, uh, I know some of the parts have been moving around over the past six months or so, but it felt Titans radio lived up to the standard that they set for themselves. For themselves. And we will have the voice of the Titans, Mike Keith, on later in the show. We'll ask him whether he realized that he is able to be heard through a soundproof door in the press box. One of the more impressive parts of Mike Keith's game. 615-737-1045. Coming out of that game in Atlanta, which positions did you feel better about? What did you come, come away with saying, you know, this, this group, this position, this individual player, I feel solid about where they are at this point in the season. I feel solid about how this individual or this unit can help contribute to the success of the football team. And then on the opposite side of things, because there were some things to take away that can be called into question. And we'll spend some time on that here in just a second. But I think ultimately, I want to hear where people are kind of gravitating towards. It feels like, you know, it feels like we've already had a full week in between the preseason games. So this isn't necessarily reaction that you guys haven't already had. But I do think it's important to continue this conversation and break it down as they head to Tampa this week. I'm heading down to Tampa tomorrow. We'll be down there all week long, courtesy of our friends at Scoreboard Bar and Grill, the largest selection, the world's largest selection of bushwhackers. There's food, there's music, there's sports. What more can you ask for? So We're very grateful for our friends at Scoreboard Bar and Grill who have made my coverage from Atlanta possible and all week from Tampa Bay. We'll be doing the show live down there from practice. I'll see if I can't throw a microphone in front of Brady's face or if somebody's going to like, Come come out of the woodwork and like tackle me like bouncer or not necessarily bouncers, but like security people at a stadium when there's a streaker on the field. Like I feel if you get within Brady's gravitational pull, if you're within a hundred yards of him, somebody just comes and takes you out. So we'll see if that's indeed the case. 615-737-1045. For me, I think more than anything, you know, I felt good about the defense. I felt good about Rashad Weaver. And and honestly, I felt good about Logan Woodside. That, I think, 
was called into question several times because the offense started out kind of clunky. The protection was not good. Like, he was getting roughed up back there. And again, Dean Pease clearly came out with the intention of making Logan Woodside uncomfortable by, in Mike Vrabel's own words, blitzing the bleep out of him, is what he said in his post-game press conference after the Atlanta game had, con- uh, had concluded. But I felt good about Logan Woodside operating a basic offense against a base defense, a defense that's not trying to scheme anything crazy for him. And then, you know, I saw I saw some of the criticism about from Logan Woodside about his early snaps, about maybe he shouldn't have taken that sack or he didn't take the sack against the blitzing safety. He got rid of the ball, but again, he got just absolutely brutalized back there. And you got to have the self-awareness to know when to get rid of the football because if that dude's coming in a real-life game, you could you could end up on the turf. And there were a handful of injuries to come out of that game, specifically with the kickers. Tucker McCann, they didn't miss a kick. Preseason kickers have been awful all, all throughout the course of the first week. It has been an overarching theme across the league, and the Titans kickers were perfect. And then, of course, Tucker McCann late in that game gets rolled up on, and Rabel saying he's he was pretty sore on Saturday. He was not out there practicing yesterday. So Sam Ficken may have an opportunity to come to him again because Tucker McCann, like Darrington Evans, can't stay healthy. It's unfortunate, and you hate to see that happen in a game with zero consequences, zero impact other than a preseason game, other than you're trying to workshop your craft in front of a uh, admittedly sparse crowd. A lot of Titans fans down there. A lot of people made the trip. 615-737-1045. I think what I ultimately feel better about is the depth on the defensive side of the ball. I saw Breon Borders have a near-diving interception. He's, he's had some practice, apparently, from all the inaccurate balls that he was picking off of Deshaun Kaiser while he was here in Titans camp. That one got old, overturned, ultimately, but Rabel was very complimentary of him after the game. You feel good about that guy as potentially your fifth corner, right? That's where the math becomes complicated as well, not just at the receiver position. If Caleb Farley gets on the field... You're talking about Caleb Farley, Jackrabbit Jenkins, Christian Fulton, in no particular order, and then Elijah Molden. That's your four corners right there. And you would think you have to find a way to get Christian Fulton on the field, even as he seemed to come up a little bit uh, come up a little bit lame in practice yesterday. It was late later in practice when he ended up leaving, but he did experience some kind of discomfort that saw him get pulled, pulled from what was basically a, a jog through 11-on-11 session at the end of the Sunday practice. But then there's Elijah Molden, and then you're at Breon Borders, and that's probably your cornerback room. You feel great about that if you're somebody who cares about the strength, the improvement of this Titans defense. That unit clearly has more ability than it did a year ago. And what's going to help them is the increased pressure up front. T.R. Tart was a problem. Again, against twos and threes, I get that. But you, you can only play the competition that's in front of you. T.R. Tart playing the nose. You saw some plays from Lorel Murchison, who was active as a, as a kind of defensive end. They can move him around up front. You saw Rashad Weaver get snaps at both, uh, both as a uh, hand-in-the-ground defensive lineman and coming off the edge as a rusher. He, of course, had a fantastic game. The level of competition is not, you know, it's, it's definitely worth tempering your expectations about. But it is okay to come away with feeling good about the way that they were able to perform Perform. So we we did not talk to Rashad Weaver after the game. We spoke to him yesterday at practice. 
And Rashad Weaver kind of let us let us understand a little better about what about what what changed for him because he's come under some criticism, maybe not necessarily criticism, but the coaching points have been when we talked to Vrabel or when we talked to Ryan Crow, the outside linebackers coach. They've said that he tends to overthink things, and that certainly did not seem to be the case Friday night in Atlanta. I mean, honestly, after the game, I was kind of confused because in my college games, I was nervous before college games, but I was, like, super relaxed out there. Like, I was just like, there's nothing to lose. Go out here, have fun, play, and, and show what you got, honestly. Why do you think, why do you think that was? Um, again, you know, I think, I think just um, kind of getting the green light from Braves and my coach to just go hard, go play, and we'll fix the stuff on film. I mean, when someone tells you that, when they just want to see you play hard and effort, and you can just go out there and run around full speed, you make good things happen, and it's easier to uh, fix the fix the stuff later. So that's Rashad Weaver speaking with us yesterday at practice. He just he felt comfortable out there. Whether it was, I mean, it was not a it was not a hugely pressurized environment, right? But this is his first, as close as he's been to NFL game experience. This still mean these games still mean something to a lot of players on that roster. I mean, just look at David Long, who we'll have tomorrow on the radio show. Really, really interesting character in in this particular in this defense's makeup, right? Understanding what the linebacker room looks like right now, and how dramatically it could change, because both Jayon Brown and Rashawn Evans are going to hit the market after this season is over, pending some kind of uh, extension. If they're both of them elevate their play substantially. It seemed like they were okay in the offseason, potentially moving on from Jayon if the market got too high. Now, the contract worked out perfectly in their favor, and they were able to sign him to one of these voidable years deals to keep him around for a, an extra season. But certainly, you felt you did not feel like there was a bunch of tension in the stadium. It was just, it was more, I mean, it was still a competitive environment. But it was not something that would overwhelm a rookie out there playing in his first game. He seemed to he seemed to feel comfortable in that. The more comfortable they can get him, the more he can focus on what's in front of him and refine his technique. It's going to be massive for them because not only can he play out on the edge, he can play across that defensive front. It's why they were looking at him as an interior guy at the Senior Bowl, not as an interior guy full time but seeing whether he was able to do it or not and how willing he was to do it or not. The more value that guy can come up with come up with for himself, it allows them to be more flexible with the numbers on game day. That's what this ultimately comes down to. How much can these guys do across the board at their various positions that allows you the flexibility to potentially add another player on the 46 active game day roster that may not be as versatile but can still serve a purpose? how you end up changing the math on three active linebackers outside linebackers on game day like they did a year ago if Rashad Weaver can be that third guy but also move across the front it allows you to get more more flexible with your numbers on the defensive side of the ball you feel great about Rashad Weaver more than anything else more than anything else that you watched on Friday night you feel great about what that player understanding the legal situation continues to loom over him Nobody is ignoring that fact. But if you are talking about from a strictly on-the-field sense, that is a player that can put in legitimate work for you and make a difference against guys who may be borderline starting offensive linemen. We'll see how he looks against pros soon enough. There will be plenty of time for that. In the meantime, 
this was he passed the first test that you needed to see from him as a fifth round pick. Now they got other they got other issues with their draft class, not just this one, but last year's as well that we'll talk about later on in the show. But I, I think more than anything, if you're to if you're to kind of take the opposite approach and look at the negatives on this, the the backup offensive line, uh, you can't you can't work with that. You can't put Ryan Tannehill behind a collection of those guys. Now, listen, there were dudes who started on that offensive line on Friday night that I had no idea were on the roster until until the uh, until the, I looked at the depth chart once they trotted out there and we kind of figure out who was the starting offense. We had a moment in the stands pregame where we went down because we're still not – it depends on stadium to stadium, right, where media is allowed to roam. But we had a moment in the stadium on Friday night where in Atlanta we're not allowed down on the field still. Only essential personnel and like broadcast crews allowed down on the field. That's fine. We'll make it work. So we're running around the lower bowl where I saw a lot of people who listen to this show, by the way, and a lot of people who watch the A to Z show. It made me very happy. I hope to see all of you guys out at the uh, Nissan Stadium practice from 5 to 7 today. I know 3HL is going to be broadcasting live. I'm going to be down there with 3HL for my weekly Monday segment. So we look forward to seeing all of you. And it made me very happy that people came up and and uh, and said something nice about the show. And even the people that did that came up and said something not nice about the show. That's okay. We appreciate it. But while we were roaming the lower bowl, trying to get as many pregame videos as we can of like guys coming out of the tunnel, you know, your first look at the the backup quarterbacks in in uniform, your first look at some of the rookies as they're making their way out on the field, you know, Arthur Smith and Mike Vrabel at midfield, all this kind of stuff. We just happen to be standing in a section where there's a bunch of players, like family, friends and family, in the stands. And one of the moms comes up to me and Teron Davenport and Jim Wyatt, because we're all down there in the same section. And she says, hey, uh, you know, she's, she's asking us basically to move because we're standing up and impeding her view and her family's view of the players coming out of the tunnel. And, of course, happy to move. She says, okay, who's your son? She says, Ross Reynolds. And I said, Josh Reynolds? She said, no, Ross Reynolds. And then sure enough, Ross Reynolds is out there as the starting left guard. I'm like, I had no idea that that was a person until the other day. Respectfully. That didn't sound terribly respectful, did it? Ross Reynolds, not Josh Reynolds. Well, I mean, I felt bad because, like, Teron and I had a moment. Hopefully this does not get back to the family of Ross Reynolds. You mean, you mean Josh? Like, she got her son's name wrong? No. Like, I mean, there's a player on the roster called Ross Reynolds, and he played left guard for this team on, on Friday night. And it's not Josh Reynolds with a mustache. That is correct. There's a substantial difference in both uh, size and skin tone between Josh Reynolds and Ross Reynolds. I was able to discern that much. So hopefully this does not respectfully get back to the family of Ross Reynolds because Teron and I looked at each other like, who? Who is this? So you understand that the backup line, the backup offensive line right now, Daniel Munyer at center is a problem. He's playing center right now because whatever's going on with Ben Jones, they don't want to put him out there even in practice. That was the case again yesterday. So they're trying to make sure that they preserve the bodies of the veterans on this on this team. But ultimately, you are looking at the backup offensive line with a wary eye and saying, okay, how many different positions can Dylan Raiden's play? Because I thought he got beat as a as a guard early on in that game, gave up a sack, got pushed back into the quarterback, and then his the player in front of him made a play. But when they and when he played the majority of the snaps at right tackle throughout the rest of the game, I thought he looked competent. You were you were comforted a little bit by the progress that you saw him make at the position that they ultimately have designs on him playing. 
at least in this year, at least providing competition. The rest of it, though, I, I have my doubts. Daniel Munyer has to figure out how to get a snap off without causing problems with the quarterback in the quarterback center exchange. It's been a, been a nightmare out there on the practice field for him and Ryan Tannehill working together while Ben Jones has been bubble-wrapped somewhere in the facility. So those are the two things that I specifically feel better about, feel more comfortable about, and one specifically that I feel worse about. I feel I do also feel terrible for Darrington Evans because that was something Lucas brought up pregame in our show on Friday, you know, that this was going to be, that a, that a tweeter had pointed out, this was going to be the most opportunity that he gets throughout the course of the year is during the preseason, right? He's gotten all the reps at practice, basically. Derrick Henry hadn't been doing a lot outside of the sand pit because they're trying to keep him keep him on a shelf, too, until they need him. So Darrington Evans, healthy all throughout the first couple of weeks of camp, questionable to return with a knee injury, never comes back into the game, done practice yesterday. Unfortunate. It's, it continues to be a storyline. And we've seen this happen to plenty of good players. It doesn't mean that Darrington Evans is a buster. It doesn't mean that you can't salvage him as a player. But look at somebody like Marcus Johnson, who has spoken himself about how soft tissue injuries bogged him down in previous stops with previous teams. Comes out here on the practice field. He spends enough time with the quarterback to get comfortable, to be trusted. He's able to ball out. That may be the future for Darrington Evans, but right now the storyline with him continues to be the injuries. That was the biggest negative, right, from Friday. Oh, without a question. Without a question. There's that Twitter account, NFL Injury News. So doing the scoreboards for Titans Radio, I'm keeping up with it, seeing if there's anything from the Bills game, anything worthy. All of it is Titans. All uh, of it is Jimmy Wyatt, Trayvon Coley, Darrington Evans, Tucker McCann. Oh, on the NFL injury stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, Trayvon Coley was unfortunate. Tucker McCann, unfortunate. Darrington Evans. I mean, honestly, like, you you survived last year without Darrington Evans. I don't mean to diminish him, but I'm just saying, like, there is precedent for that before. You've seen Jeremy McNichols give you good snaps. You are you are comforted a little bit by the depth there. Not by Brian Hill. I wasn't impressed with Brian Hill, but I thought Makai Sargent played really, really well and with great effort out there. But then you look at Tucker McCann and you're like, not this again, right? Just when you think he's starting to find his groove, he's been fairly accurate at practices, both him and Ficken. Whenever they do the kicking drills in practices, they don't miss a, a kick, or a field goal, or an extra point in the game. You're looking at the Titans kicker situation. You're you're looking at the rest of the league, and you're say, "Wow, how how big a juxtaposition is this? How the tables have turned." It was just torrid luck. Cause I heard Mike Keith and Coach Mack talking about it on the broadcast. It happened last year when Brett Kern was out for a little bit, and McCann's competing to be the starting punter that week, and he gets hurt and has to be ruled down to the practice squad. Yeah, so there's a lot there, a lot there. That just comes down to unfortunate luck. And that's a part of this business, too. You have to be able to make those cold decisions, regardless of how many how many involve bad or good luck, how many involve, you know, just just basic morality. If the guy can't produce, if he can't be available, you have to find a solution immediately. And that's been the case for those two players, which is unfortunate because that's what you've been following uh, a good bit. When we come back, we're going to do something every Monday coming off the NFL weekend because we had a full NFL weekend. Even in the preseason, there's a lot to take away. We're also going to talk about the first round. There's five first-round quarterbacks out there playing snaps throughout the course of the weekend. A couple of them, well, actually, all of them potentially, that the Titans could see over the course of their season. We'll talk about that as well. Coming up next, though, winners and losers from the NFL weekend. If you want to nominate some, you are more than welcome to. 615-737-1045. Lucas and I will react to that. Coming up next, I'm Buck Rising. This is 1045 The Zone.
Welcome back. From the gun. Back shoulder throw. Left side. Ball caught. Touchdown! Titans! Cameron Batson! Little back throw, throw, uh, back shoulder throw, excuse me. <laughs> Coming off the uh, professional prowess of Mike Keith, just triple over myself. Back shoulder action for Logan Woodside to Cam Batson after, after Woodside almost attempted to get him killed. That ball that was behind him, Lucas, I don't know. How much did you, did you watch the game and listen to the radio broadcast? How did that work for you? So we have the game on here in the studio, but obviously the radio broadcast is far more up-to-date than the television feed. So, yeah. yes, it's about a 15-second delay. So I get to hear Mike Keith describe the play call as he does so eloquently and then watch the play on the TV. Okay, so did you, how did Mike Keith describe the play where Logan Woodside almost got Cam Batson? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that I don't know off the top of my head. It was head. a throw, a, a slant route across the middle. The throw was well behind Cam Batson. He had to reach back to try and get it. Couldn't haul it in, and there's two defenders just screaming at him. Every time I see Cam Batson get hit, I'm scared that he's going to spontaneously combust. Every time. He's just such he's such a small dude, and he goes out there and just gets lights up but or lit up, but he will make he will make a play on third down from time to time. That's why that w- wide receiver room is so competitive. You know, I saw Joe Rexrode tweet out on like during the game, because Mason Kinsey was great. Mason Kinsey had a great game on the offensive side of the football. We haven't really talked about the wide receivers yet. But Mason Kinsey and Cam Batson probably duking it out for that true slot receiver spot if they're going to keep one of those guys instead of a a versatile dude if Des Fitzpatrick can't find a way to play all three positions and learn how to do that, which we'll address later on in the show then Mason Kinsey and Cam Batson, that becomes a legitimate battle at the back end of the wide receiver room. But with Cam Batson, he, he gets up, he gets up every time. God bless him. And he was, he was giggling at the podium, like straight up giggling when we asked him about Logan Woodside getting lit up. Cause I guess they had a moment where they look back at him like, man, you all right. <laughs> Looked like it hurt. Not all of them faults of the blocking assignment, although the blocking in front of him wasn't ideal. 615-737-1045 is how you jump in on the conversation. 615-737-1045. I want to do winners and losers of the football weekend. I want to do that every Monday. I think there was a lot of funny, a lot of funny footage that came out of this weekend in sports. Certainly this weekend in football. We'll do that here in just a second, but I got to remind you that 1045 the Zone Summer Golf Classic is Friday, August 27th at Champions Run Golf Course, and tickets are sold out. But you can sign up today to get on the waiting list in case tickets become available. To get on the waiting list, visit 1045thezone.com slash Classic today. A special thanks to many of our great sponsors, Edley's Barbecue, Brentwood Jewelry, Comprehensive Security, Uptown Mail Spa, so many others that are making this Summer Golf Classic possible. The first one was a lot of fun out at Champions Run. So I hope to see a lot of you out there. Even if you've got to get on the waiting list to do so. Winners and losers of the weekend in football. I mean, you have to start right with Bears fans. Justin Fields looks good. He looks really good. How long do we think it's going to take before Bears fans start putting pressure on people about getting him in? If if Dalton goes out there and starts like one and two, or if Dalton has like a bad half. I imagine that pressure is already there. People are going to start screaming at Matt Nagy about get QB1, this joke this joke that you put out on the team's Twitter account right after Dalton signed. Get QB1 the hell off the field. Get us Justin Fields. I'm looking at Trevor Lawrence right now 
as well. Who who played okay? He was every picture though. I saw I was going through USA Today's pictures of all the preseason games from the weekend. And every picture I saw of Trevor Lawrence was him just getting contorted or twisted up because he was getting the hell beat out of him. He looked like he had a bit of a Logan Woodside experience. Welcome to the NFL type deal. But Bears fans absolutely celebrating, naked in the streets, basically, about the performance of Justin Fields. Tua, on the other side of things, he didn't, he didn't look good. Teams that could still be the sweep, still could be in the sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson services, you know, pending he doesn't go to jail, which just kind of happens to be hovering over the Texans quarterback situation. But I, I saw good things from Justin Fields. I saw good things from a lot of the rookie quarterbacks. We'll talk about those guys more specifically coming up next. But as far as people who were able to succeed and able to uh, able to able to show out on the national stage when a lot of these games are being carried on NFL Network across the board, I was really, really impressed with the work I saw out of Justin Fields. I, I, Trey, Trey Lance had the splashy, what was it, an 80-yard touchdown that got everybody going. And then out, outside of that, it was just kind of meh. There was a lot of people that played in the first preseason game, by the way. Tom Brady? What the hell is he doing out there? Everybody played for the Bucks. Yeah, which Bruce Arians said they would. I thought yep. it was full of it. Nope. <laughs> so why the hell is there 44-year-old? I'm laughing, laughing because Mike Vrabel turned 46 on Saturday. I'm looking at Mike. He's 46. Two years older than Tom Brady, who's out there in his pre- in a preseason game. The first preseason game with all the starters. That was wild to me. That, honestly, losers are anybody who's going to that Tampa Bay Titans preseason game because you know if they played him in the first preseason game, there's no chance you see Brady on Saturday, which is unfortunate. But he'll be, di- he'll be out there trying to dice him up all week in practice. That's basically what the preseason game is for these guys these joint practices that are coming up on the field Wednesday and Thursday, and we'll be broadcasting live from those. Loser, I think I think you have to start you have to start with that Rams fan. <laughs> I'm just gonna call him fat Aaron Donald because he was wearing an Aaron Donald jersey that was very not, you know, looked like Aaron Donald let himself go a little bit, respectfully. So if you haven't seen the video that goes viral. Chargers playing the Rams in in the new SoFi Stadium. First time that fans have been in SoFi Stadium. And so immediately, because nature is healing, sports fans are just beating the holy hell out of each other. It's not even opposing sports fans in this particular case. It's Ram fan on Ram fan crime. Now, we would play for you the video. I don't think it necessarily translates to an audio audio medium, and there's probably uh, enough expletives in there that it would be a problem for us. But the, the footage of this thing is ridiculous. And how many different elements of this are funny? Not that we would advocate for violence. But you start with this dude getting held back. Fat Aaron Donald's getting held back from a feud with like four other Rams fans in front of him. Sitting in the row in front of him. His buddy's holding him back. This goes on for like 10, 15 seconds. And then all of a sudden, a woman from behind the four or five Rams fans... In that front row, she just, I don't know whether she was related to the people who were fighting Fat Aaron Donald. I don't know whether she was just somebody who wanted to see a fight, who wanted blood. Maybe there was not enough blood sport for her out on the field for a preseason game. So she got to spice things up. But this woman from behind the four Rams fans just throws a full Coke at Fat Aaron Donald. And that sets him off. 
So he st- he straight up smacks the whole row of the Rams fans in front of him. Like, it's just a full sweep. And then she runs away. She runs away. It's like when I do something on your Twitter account and then skedaddle out of there for you the just missions to roll the up. grenade out into the middle of things and then take off into the darkness. That's what this woman did. Dan Lust, who's the who's the sports entertainment lawyer who's been on this show, been on the station a couple times. He was tweeting out the legal analysis of this because there's precedent, right? The dude who threw the cup at the malice in the palace. There's legal action that could be taken against this woman with precedent for starting the fight. So she starts to fight. Fat Aaron Donald smacks the whole row of fans in front of him. And then all of the sudden, he just gets buried. He gets pulled in. He gets pulled in by the four of them. Everybody's throwing fists. There's a dude behind Fat Aaron Donald that's trying to get the fight away from him. Puts both feet on Fat Aaron Donald's butt and pushes him forward into the fans in front of him where he just continues to be waylaid. Now, I I hope Fat Aaron Donald is okay. But, oh, my God, if anybody lost the football weekend, who is that guy? Because that, that, that turned quickly, head on a swivel. We'll come back and we'll talk about some of the preseason action, some, some of the rookie quarterbacks that we saw, all five of the first-round guys that the Titans may see in the coming season, as well as the AFC South. Because what happened in that Colts-Panthers game yesterday, I thought was very interesting from half to half. That's coming up next. Don't forget Mike Keith, voice of the Titans at 1120. Wide receiver Chester Rogers will join us in the noon hour today. Stick around. It's 104.5 The Zone.